Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of AI Daily. We got three pretty great stories for you guys today. Starting with first, we have Sam Altman's testimony uh, this morning in front of Congress. The Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology and the Law interviewed him this morning, uh, talking a lot about AI regulation. He was joined by a professor at from NYU and also by uh, Christina Montgomery, IBM's Chief Privacy and Trust Officer. And the Senate and Sam Altman and the other representatives were all extremely concerned about the future of AI safety, the future of the economy with AI. Barb, any thoughts? Uh, you know, I think Sam has been giving a master class in how to do this stuff correctly. The bottom line is people want to know who the leaders are that are building and controlling these massively powered technologies, massively powered technologies. Obviously, the politicians want to know who these people are. The politicians want to be understood by their constituents as caring about these things, taking the steps to get these leaders in front of them to speak. And Sam is, you know, getting ahead of the story just about every time and a, a real blueprint for other tech leaders. And clearly he's watched folks in the past, other big tech leaders from big companies who sort of had to be, be dragged out in front of the Senate, who've had to sort of been, be pulled out from, you know, hiding behind the magical curtain. Sam is doing it out in public, uh, saying, here I am. I'm happy to speak about it. We should regulate this. And it's really working. And I, I say kudos to him and, and keep doing it. Yeah, a couple of the senators really commented on that, how surprised they are that this is the first time that new technology is really asked to be regulated. We've seen with social media in the past, Section 230, there was essentially a waiver on technology and any being held liable. This is the part that I think he's reading it correctly on. A lot of folks in the past, I think, were afraid to do that because they're like, well, if I put myself out there, they're going to start controlling me and start telling me what I can do. And all of a sudden, my business is not going to be as valuable. I don't think that's the right approach. Sam's approach has been these people want to see your face. They want to hear your voice. They want to know that you're a real accessible person that's willing to participate in the social contract that we have with each other around how we you know, live and how we engage with these cool new technologies. And, and that's the right call. Just making yourself available goes a long way. Sam Altman seems to have a lot more goodwill in front of the Senate than past technology has. We've seen with social media, with Meta, the entire... The entire duration of the hearing, they're really talking about their past mistakes in nuclear and the genome project and social media. They're really talking about their past mistakes and what they can learn from that. And I think Sam Ullman is really taking a good stance. Ethan? No, I agree. I think you both nailed it. Um, at the end of the day, the our elected officials want to do better this time. Um, you, you pointed out very strongly how this is one of the first times that technology is asking to be regulated and Congress is open to that and they know the mistakes of the past and they want to be involved in this process. I do think it's you know uh, very interesting how most of the articles coming out about this do still point at the you know dangers of AI and talk about how bad this can be. But if you listen to the testimony, it was actually very engaging, very thoughtful. 
each congressman and each person who spoke and Sam themselves talked about the positives of this technology, how it's going to benefit people, how it can benefit creatives, how the impact on jobs is not going to be as bad as we mostly think. So if you listen to the testimony, it's actually very heartwarming to see how engaged our elected officials are, how engaged our kind of upcoming tech leaders are on this subject. And uh, I was happy to hear it. It was very, it was very bipartisan. Uh, our leaders were very engaged, like you said, Ethan. They really seemed to know where they were going on. They talked a lot. They mentioned a couple of times garbage in, garbage out, and how it related to all this of how we need good regulation or else that's garbage in. Absolutely. Um, it really contrasts with EU, like the EU news we saw yesterday of them trying to crush open source, and it's really a contrast there. So definitely. Okay. Our next story then is Quora's Poe API. Quora announced the Poe API where they're really trying to take the angle of being a web browser for LLMs. They're really a centered piece. Poe, if you guys have used the app, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, Ethan, what do you think? Yeah, Poe's been very popular for people who want to use Anthropic and Claude and some of these other models. And I think the most interesting thing to me here is, you know, unlike uh, Bing or possibly Bard or even ChatGPT plugins, Poe is really, I think you nailed it on a web browser almost, that Poe is letting you bring any type of model. So any LLM you want, if you built your own custom LLM, if you built a whole application on top of another LLM, they want to make that available within Poe. So not just a plugin to ChatGPT, for example, but really your entire application, your entire business per se, as a custom LLM with custom features for users that they want to use put directly in the distribution funnel of Poe. So different than a plugin, bringing the whole LLM experience to someone. So I think it's a it's a new angle. People like using Poe for Claude, and I'm excited to see what kind of startups and developers deploy as a full LLM and not just a plugin. Yeah, you know, as, a, as someone who's not a full-time developer myself, I love the fact that they have a one-click replit uh, that lets you fire up the the API in a demo and just start using it. It's the sort of thing that, you know, I have the time to actually go in there and do and start engaging with things instead of having to go to GitHub and, you know, not like it's a lot, a lot of work, but even saving 30 minutes, saving 15 minutes and just let you spend some time in the middle of your day actually interacting with the code instead of setting up, you know, where you want to interact with it, getting your own replit built. Uh, it's really nice. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like they have built-in integrations into Langchain, Llama Index. It looks like they want to bring monetization in the future. They have really all the features that you see in ChatGPT, but you only have to bring your own language model. They give you uh, human feedback that you can work with for RLHF. So between the alternatives of taking the open source route and forcing and forking something like a hugging chat or building for Poe, we'll see where developers go. But yeah. Where's the one-click replit for every, you know, repo on GitHub? <laughs> There's code spaces, but yeah. yeah. Okay, next up we have the Apple announcement. Apple announced they have live speech and personal voice advanced speech accessibility. Uh, they're really taking the angle of it as an accessibility tool, but this is essentially an 11 Labs that works on your phone. It You can train your voice on it, and then now you can just type in what you want to say, and then it produces the audio sounding just like you. Ethan, what do you, what do you think here? 
Yeah, de definitely. Apple is going really on the accessibility um, and routes. So bringing these kind of, I guess, next generation technologies and technologies some people are still worried about. But instead of them putting them all over iOS, they're focused on you know, accessibility and disability features right now. The coolest one I saw was you can actually train your own voice model on your device now. So something you would use on 11 labs or the computer. Now you just record it on your phone and you have your own voice model for times you either don't want to talk or for some people can't talk. So Apple focusing on, you know, accessibility for these latest generation models of text and images and audio, I think is probably the right path for them right now. Barb? This is classic Apple getting the technology out of the way and talking about what it can actually do for people. So instead of saying, hey, AI, 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 look at all this AI we're doing, they're just quietly doing AI. Not only that, they have ML chips on your device, you know, there are hundreds of millions of Apple devices all around the world, all with insanely powerful machine learning chips on the device. What's cool about this thing is like some of the other technologies, like 11 labs, you give it 15, Descript does this too. You give it about 15 minutes of your voice and it will train on that. Apple is doing it on device. It's private. It's secure. Apple doesn't even want access to your, to your voice. It's really, really powerful. A couple of other cool things that they had in there. One, you'll be able to point the magnifier app at a, say, a, a washing machine. And you can point your finger on the washing machine to one of the labels or one of the buttons, and it'll read out the label of the one that you're pointing to. Yeah. This, again, happening on device. So, you know, you can see Apple, Apple's great at doing this. They, they build things up over years and they slowly bring them together until they merge them into something. So you can see that the AR glasses that Apple is expected to come out with later this year, they've been building the apps and the technologies that will power those glasses for years already. Obviously, all these cool things that you're seeing in the magnifier app, like being able to point to something and having it read it for you is going to be in the AR glasses at some point. So Absolutely. Apple just, you know, doing their thing, quietly crushing it and, you know, maybe quietly the biggest AI company uh, in the world. But I guess just about anything Apple does, they're the biggest company in the world doing it. Uh, very, very cool to see. Thank you, Tim Apple. Ethan, is this ready now, tomorrow? When do we know? Does Apple have this out already? Or I think it's going to start rolling out towards the end of the year, I believe is what they said. I think typically what Apple does on these sort of accessibility announcements, and it's actually, I think, cool that they're doing it uh, in the accessibility world first, because as strange as it may sound, in a world where, you know, every little bit helps, it doesn't have to be perfect to be helpful. Yes. So in a world where, you know, this is making meaningful changes in people's lives, they get it. The technology isn't perfect. It's not the smoothest, perfect consumer experience available, but that's okay because it's really being used by people who need it. Uh, so typically they'll announce something like this on this, you know, World Accessibility Day, um, and then they'll sort of release it in the next OS. So I would expect to see these in September or so, October, when uh, the new OS rolls out. Exactly. Okay, guys, well, we had three pretty exciting announcements today. We had Sam's testimony, we had the Quora Po API, and then, of course, we had Apple's announcements. So what have you guys been seeing? Far, what have you seen? You know, uh, I'm a big basketball person, played basketball my whole life, was pretty obsessed with it when I was younger. So it was cool to see Hoop GPT uh, 
maybe maybe it's not new, but it seemed new when I when I when I was reading it, where it's basically allowing you to chat about all things basketball, ask for you know natural language versions of getting stats from people. But one of the cool things it seemed to do is it would, for example, you could say you know give me a image of every spot on the floor that LeBron, you know, hit a basket against the Nuggets. And so it'll generate an image where you'll see all the shots, you know, where, where LeBron hit, hit the basket. P pretty cool stuff to see. Obviously, we're going to see this in every discipline uh, that we haven't and keep seeing it uh, reiterated on in the disciplines that we have seen it. So uh, just a little basketball is, news. Is that a ChatGPT plugin or is that? It's, seen, I think it's, it's its own thing. Cool. Ethan, what have you seen? Yeah, I saw the ChatGPT fund on Twitter. Uh, they kind of kicked off. They put 50 grand into a fund, and they're going to let ChatGPT go on and see if it can make money. Um, it's from the team at Autopilot. Um, actually, a really cool team. They're also behind the Nancy Pelosi tracker, um, so you can follow her whole stock portfolio and copy trades and kind of make money that way. And yeah, it's fun that they're making this ChatGPT fund. It's been blowing up on Twitter. Um, cool to watch. Great team. Um, and yeah. I like it. Uh, me, I saw that Boundless was a hip hop song that Suhail made. Uh, lyrics were written with ChatGPT, AI to change his voice, and the bass instrumental was Google's Music LM. So I know we talked about before that the Music LM only made short segments, but I assume he just made a bunch and then strung them together. Yeah. Um, I listened to it. It's definitely like a, it's like a SoundCloud quality rap. Like, I like it. Um, yeah, pretty interesting. Very cool. So the music's going to go. So thank you guys. Great episode today. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.